Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So tonight's Bible study is going to be called Complacency, a Christian's Worst Enemy. Complacency, a Christian's Worst Enemy. So before we get into prayer, and, uh, and I'm going to read off some definitions. I also got a video I'm going to play tonight, and uh, we're going to get into Scripture. But uh, I believe the Lord gave me this study about, uh, I guess about a couple weeks ago. And the reason behind it is to tell of my own self is uh, I guess about close to two months ago now, um, I really wanted to start, you know, looking into some things and some things about my own personal life and um, just started wanting to know more things. And in order to do so, though, the Lord had to show me something. He had to show me something about myself. And so when I started doing some research on different things and different kinds of demons or what whatnot, um, the Lord showed me in this process, he says, if you are going to do any of this studying, if you're going to do any of this research, you need to understand something first. He said, you're not ready. And he said, the reason why you are not ready is because you have become complacent in your own spiritual walk with, with him, with the Lord. And he showed it to me. He says, you, you've been watching too many worldly movies. Uh, he was like, you've been you know, not spending enough time in the word. You've not been praying, you know, hard and long and fast like you used to. And I hadn't been fasting like I used to. And he he had to show it all to me. And it, it really humbled me with his correction because he could have very well have let me go down, continue on down the same path that I was going. He didn't have to correct me. He didn't have to show me where I was at, but he did. And when he did, it very it humbled me a lot. And after that. I, you know, I said to the Lord, you know, I want to start keeping the commitments that I make before the Lord. When he says, when I say I'm going to do something, I want to follow through with it. And for the past six weeks, since I started doing that, I've seen a lot of different changes in my own life. And I've seen fruit of the spirit in my own life because of that. And I think that that is extremely, extremely important that we do this. You know, if I say, Lord, I'm going to fast for so many days, I'm going to do it unless he has other plans for me. You know, uh, when I tell the Lord, I'm going to read my Bible so many chapters in that, I'm going to do it. You know, when I say, I'm going to pray, no matter what, no matter how long it takes, no matter if I'm tired the next day, I'm going to do it. And through that, I've actually seen a stronger spiritual walk with the Lord in my own life. But he had to show me about what it was to be complacent with that. He had to show me, hey, you know what? And the reason why I'm being open about this tonight is because the Lord started changing my life almost six years ago. And I want everyone to know there can come a certain point in our Christian walk where it seems like the fire is starting to go away, where it seems like we're not doing enough for the Lord. And I don't want anyone, if I can prevent somebody from going down that road by telling them my story, praise the Lord, I'm going to do it because I don't want them to go down that. I mean, we, we know 
There are, there are pastors out there in the world today who started out over here on fire for Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, they gave all to him and somehow ended way up over here under money, under signing certain things, under doing things, certain things that they shouldn't have done. But their beginning did not end up being their ending. And that's why Paul says that we have got to endure. We have got to run this race. We have got to stay faithful unto the Lord because you can start out one way. You can end up a completely different way than what we started out. We have got to stay strong with the Lord. We have got to stay prayerful with the Lord. We have got to stay committed to the Lord because I felt a lot of demons started coming off of me when I started staying committed unto the Lord. And that's just, that's what it's about, staying faithful unto him and not getting complacent because complacency falls in the lines of lukewarmness in which we're going to watch a video about that tonight. But if we are lukewarm, what does the Bible say about being lukewarm? He's going to spew us out of his mouth. Yeah. So it's like, I just, you know, I want everyone to understand that if we feel like that fire is burning out, if we feel like we are getting complacent, if we feel like, you know, we're not hearing from the Lord like we should. When we feel like, Lord, I want to talk to people, but it's not there. It's time to take a step back and look at our own lives and say, all right, Lord, I got to make a change because I was once here and I don't feel that way anymore. So with that, let's get started in prayer and then we're going to get right into this. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I want to come to you this evening in Jesus name. Lord, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus Christ, God Almighty, for all and everything that you've done. Thank you, Lord God, for your abundant grace and your abundant mercy and your long-suffering and your patience with us, Lord Jesus Christ, until we get it right, as we get it right with you, Lord God, because we are not promised another day on this earth, Lord Jesus. And I'm praying, Lord God, in the power of the Holy Spirit that you take control of this message tonight, Lord Jesus Christ, and that you let your words come out, Lord God, that you let your words flow, Lord Jesus that we're going to be changed, Lord God, into the image of Jesus Christ. And we're going to take a long, hard look at our life, Lord Jesus Christ, with your eyes to see the things in our life that are just, that are not like you, Lord Jesus Christ. Because as we know right now, Lord God, we are in a time in this world where things are about to get hot, Lord Jesus Christ. We are on the brink, Lord God, of the persecution of the Christians, Lord Jesus Christ. We are on the brink of a collapsed economy, Lord God. And we have got to get it right with you now, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that this message will touch somebody's life tonight, Lord God. If there are people out there listening in that feel like the fire that they once had with you is no longer there, then, Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to pray before you, Lord God. They're going to fast and they're going to get their lives right with you. And they're just going to completely cut out the world, Lord God, because that's what it takes, Lord. We cannot serve two masters. So, Lord Jesus Christ, bring the power of your Holy Ghost upon this ministry, Lord God, that we be saturated with your fire. That people not only know that we're Christians, but, Lord God, they want to know why we believe what we believe, Lord Jesus Christ. That they will want to come to know you, Lord Jesus, because of a life-changing transformation in our own li- in our lives, Lord God, that only comes by you, Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to give ourselves over. Yes, So, Lord God, I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, with all and everything that everyone's going through, Lord, they know and understand, Lord Jesus Christ, that there is none greater than you on all the earth, Lord Jesus Christ. It is all about you getting your will done and becoming soldiers, vessels fit for the master to use. Thank you, Lord God, for all and everything that you've done. In Jesus Christ, your most holy name I pray. Amen. All right. 
All right, so let's get started with this. Uh, I'm going to read off a few uh, some definitions here of what complacency is, and then we're going to get us into some scriptures. So complacency, the definitions are a feeling of smug or uncritical satisfaction with oneself or one's achievements. Synonyms, smugness, self-satisfaction, self-approval, self-approbations, um, self admiration, self-congratulations, um, self-regard, gloating, triumph, pride, satisfaction, um, contentment, carelessness, slackness, laxity, lackness, laziness, uh, self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or um, defiances. So, Complacency can actually, if you look at this last definition, can actually hurt somebody. But you notice one key word in all of this, self. There's a lot of self in complacency. And we are supposed to be getting rid of self, not having more of it. So when we do become complacent, we have a tendency of looking at our own lives through our own eyes and not through the eyes of Jesus Christ. You know, we get maybe complacency brings a person to a point where they feel like, oh, I've done enough for the Lord. I don't have to do any more. I'm fine where I'm at and I'm fine with my walk with him. And I'm just I'm good. You know, all I got to do is go to church every so often. All I got to do is read my Bible every so often. All I have to do is pray every so often. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because if you notice the the disciples never dealt with complacency in their own life after they got on fire for Jesus Christ, that was it. They went out and they did what they were supposed to do for him. And you don't hear about any of the disciples or any of the prophets becoming complacent. You know, maybe they had doubts in their life, but not complacency in their life because they knew who they served. And now bring it forward to 2019. We're fighting a whole nother spiritual level, a whole nother spiritual warfare than, you know, some people had to deal with. Because not only are we dealing with people on the outside of the church not believing in Jesus Christ. We're dealing with people on the inside of the church not believing in Jesus Christ. And what's more dangerous about that is they think that they are. And that's where the deception comes in because the pastor is telling them, this is all you have to do. And this is why we cannot believe in man's wisdom one bit. We have to know this word for ourselves. We have to know Jesus Christ for ourselves. We have to know our walk with him for ourselves. Because if we don't, we get right to that one level that says, I'm good. I don't need to go any further. I don't need to get hot and heavy for the Lord. I don't need a conviction upon my whole upon my own life that tells me I need to go out and tell more people about Jesus Christ. Because I don't want to get to that I don't want to get to that place in my life where I feel, Lord, I don't need to do anymore. That terrifies me to even think that that thought could be in my mind. Because I don't want to feel that way. I don't feel that way, and I don't want to feel that way. But complacency can also be subtle. Sometimes we don't even realize that we're there and it might uh, it might take an actual person. It might take a situation and it's going to take the Lord for sometimes us for us to realize that we're not at the level we should be when we're saved with the Lord. Because I remember when I first got saved, I mean, I was pretty much at the point where I was like, I'm scared to do anything that's not of Jesus. I mean, I was like I was an innocent child again when it came to that it, you know this the experience of being born again is you are like a child i got rid of so much stuff i would spend five six hours on and you know this is before we had the ministry and bible studies. i'd spend five six hours 
in my apartment just reading and reading. I wanted more. I wanted more. And But then there came a time where that fire just started to dwindle a little bit more and a little bit more. And I wasn't as thirsty and I wasn't as hungry for the word and for the Lord Jesus as I was. And the lie I would tell myself was when I got home from work. But now when I'm at work, I'm like, I'm going to listen to a Bible study when I get home. and I'm going to do all this when I got home. Oh, I'll just watch one innocent little movie and then I'll get into the Bible study. No, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <laughs> it's like start with a Bible study and with reading the Bible and with praying before the Lord. And when the Lord showed me my own life and the things that I was doing, when I started saying, I'm going to watch a Bible study when I got home, if the devil tried to trick me into a movie, man, I was rebuking the devil at work. Like, no, <laughs> I ain't doing that because it's, it's, you do want to get to a point where you do have fear and reverence to the Lord to say, if I do, if I don't keep my commitments before the Lord, something bad's going to happen. Yeah, that bad is that we may very well still end up in hell in the lake of fire if we don't. Because if we don't, then we're disobedient before the Lord. And the God's wrath comes upon the children of disobedience. So from here, let's uh, go into scripture. Let's go to Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse 1. So is that what you meant when you would make a plan to like read so many chapters and is that like you're saying that you make the plan and then you go home and watch the movie instead? Or did you actually? Well, it was like at work, you know, when I'd be at work and I would say I was going to like watch a, a Bible study when I got home. And then, you know, towards the end or when I got home, I would be like, oh, well, you know, let me check out this innocent worldly, like the worldly movies are innocent. Let me check out this innocent <laughs> worldly movie that's got, you know, no cursing. And then I'll get into a Bible study and I would watch the movie and I would find that I wasn't interested. I'm going to be completely honest. I wasn't interested in watching the Bible study after that because it was like the fire had gone out once I watched that movie. You know, so it's like the Lord had to show me in my thoughts before I started going into, you know, higher spiritual level of warfare with him. He's like, you need to realize where you are with this and you need to get rid of all of this stuff out of your life. And for the past six weeks, six or seven weeks, I haven't watched any of those movies anymore. I don't even want to touch them. I don't even want to look at them because I know they're evil. They're filthy. And it's, he had to like literally put that in my mind. Like, you don't need that garbage. You know, you don't need to watch the Avengers. You already know what's coming. You know? <laughs> so I kind of learned my, you know, my lesson. I never want to promise God, yeah, I'm going to go home and read 10 chapters and, you know, then do this and like not do it because then. That's uh, weird. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, or you can be called to prayer, mm -hmm. you know, and you know that you're failing in your prayer life, and you get home and you say, Lord, I'm going to give you this time, and you sit there, and you sit there, and you sit there, and then before you know it, it's nine o'clock, and you give them a little, now I lay me down to sleep, and you go to bed, you know, and, and what Sarah's bringing up is true because complacency is really a matter of your heart, mm -hmm. it, and it is very subtle. It's what are you putting before God, and you try and convince yourself mentally that, Lord, I am giving you time. But you can read the Bible and give God time, or give time, you think, but your heart's not even in it. Yeah. How many times have we ever read the Bible and our hearts are not even in it? You're skimming through the words, but you're not trying to eat. And, you know, it could do something to your spiritual walk. That's also complacency. So great points. And, you know, and... 
something else that the Lord pointed out to me and good points as well there um, was when I wanted to minister to people at work and it was like I knew what to say but the will to say it wasn't there and it was just like when that when I felt that I was like there's something wrong with this because I know what to say but it was like the words would just get you know scattered or jumbled up in my head and it's like if we're not constantly looking for someone to like I'm not going to say attack or jump on but to witness to then all that information that we're studying it's gonna go away it's like if you don't use what the Lord gives you he's not gonna let you keep it because it's a gift it's a gift you know and it's just like for years I studied so much stuff about different things and when I go to talk to people about it I'd be like I'm up in my reserve trying to think back to where it was at and I'm like it's not even there and so it's like I had to go back over stuff to get it back, you know. And, and so it's like if we don't use it, we lose it. And that's the same thing with, you know, with the Lord and what he's given to us. It's like if we don't use what he's given to us, he's going to put it on somebody else. He's going to put it on another person that really, really wants it. And that is a scary thought to think that we can be saved for so many years and then that fire burns out. And that's why it's like yeah, I'm so glad in our ministry that we preach. You can't be once saved, always saved. It is a continuous process because there are times that the devil, don't think that the devil still does. I mean, he can't do anything with it. But don't think that the devil still doesn't try and knock on my head and say, why don't you go have a drink? You know, you haven't had a drink in so many years. You're fine. You can do it. And I got to rebuke him and say, no, you're crazy. I'm not going to do that again. But don't think that the devil's not going to try and get us with once with, you know, so many years later, he's not going to try it again. You know, simply because we're not living that life anymore. If he comes in, into our life in a time where we're not covered by the full armor of God and faith in the Holy Spirit, he is going to try it again. Bible even says so. You know, a house is swept and garnished. You know, the demons come back. They see it swept and garnished. No Holy Ghost. Guess what? Seven other demons are going to bring worse than the first. They're going to bring back in. So this is something we have got to stay committed to with the Lord. And I pray that we do. I pray that everyone here, I pray that everyone who's listening in, set a goal that you can that you know you can keep with the Lord. Don't set some outlandish, oh, I'm going to go on a 40-day fast when the Lord didn't call you to do that. Set a fast time that we know we can keep and grow from there. Because if we commit that we're going to fast with the Lord so many days and we don't keep it, it's like he's going to draw back from us. Like, man, you're not ready for this. You may think that you are. But set a goal with the Lord that we know in a personal life we won't break. We will keep. I believe that he would honor that more than us trying to set some outlandish goal that we know and he knows it's not going to profit us. <laughs> All right, so let's go to Zephaniah 1 and verse 1. The word of the Lord which came unto Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of uh, Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the heavens I will, and the fish of the sea and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. I will cut off man from off the land, saith the Lord. I will also stretch out mine hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place, and 
the name of the Shimmerins uh, with the high priest. Thank you. And them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops. And them that worship and that swear by the Lord and swear by Malcolm. Now, actually, I've, that Malcolm is um, Moloch. That's actually another name for Moloch there. And them that are turned back from the Lord. And those that have not sought the Lord, nor inquire for him. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice. He hath bid his guests. And it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice. That I will punish the princes and the king's children. And all such that are clothed with strange apparel. So this is actually a forerunner. You notice this for the marriage supper that's mentioned in the New Testament. That's what is actually being mentioned right here. But if you look at it again, it says, and all such that have strange apparel. So when people are trying to come in into the presence of the Lord and they don't have on the righteousness of the Lord, but they're coming in another way, that he's going to judge these people. Verse 9. In the same day also I will punish all those that leap on the threshold which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that there shall be a noise of a cry from the fish gate and a howling from the second and a great crashing from the hills. Um, how ye inhabitants of Marktesh, for all the merchants' people are cut down. All they that bear silver are cut off. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their leaves. That they that that say in their heart, the Lord will the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. So right here, these people are saying that uh, and I believe uh, I looked that up settled for their leaves is like um, settled in complacency. So whatever they have going on in their life right now, that they're settled with it. And they're saying, the Lord's not going to do good. He's not going to do bad. And, you know, these people are not even concerned with his coming at the same time. Verse 13, therefore, the goods shall become a booty and their houses a desolation. They shall also build houses, but not inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards, but not drink the wine thereof. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voices of even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry bitterly. So even in that day, people who think that they're strong or, or you know, of good standings or of good favor or that someone who even speaks their mind and maybe they have, you know, good stature in their businesses and they're doing all this stuff. Even in that day, they are going to cry bitterly. So let's think about this as we're reading it here. Verse 15, that day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of uh, wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men and they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as the dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. 
for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. So you have not only the wicked among here, but you have in, in this in this scripture, you got even the people that said that the Lord's not going to come. He's not going to do, do good or he's not going to do evil. Now, you have people out in the world today that don't believe or they have some sort of spirituality that say, well, there's good and evil in the world today. But you also have people that say they believe in the Lord that are thinking that when I stand before the Lord, it's going to be a glorious time. For, you know, the Lord's just going to allow me to walk right in on to heaven and everything's going to be great. That doesn't go along with scripture. You know, even if we are sanctified, as it says, you know, if the righteous scarcely be saved. And we have to think about that. Who are the righteous? The righteous are those that obey the Lord. The righteous are those that do the Lord's will. The righteous are those that get sanctified. The righteous are those that don't think about, you know, any dirty thoughts. You know, the you can say that the disciples, the, the apostles and men, you know, that were writing this book that really lived for the Lord. Those were the righteous. And if they scarcely be saved then we have to think about that for our own life. Are we righteous? You know, it is recorded in this scripture that only one disciple, one apostle, and I'm not saying the rest of them didn't think that they were ready, but only one recorded that he knew he was ready, and that was Paul. Paul, it only says in here that Paul's the only one that said, I'm ready, but he still endured to get that crown, to get that robe of righteousness. He endured until they beheaded him. He didn't stop just because he knew it was ready. He continued to go on anyways. But can we say that in our own life? Can we say if we died tonight, we would be ready to stand before the Lord, considering all that they went through, considering all of the, you know, the guys in the Reformation and such, what they went through to have this word come forward? Can we literally, can we honestly say in our own life, I would be ready to stand before the King of Kings and the Judge of Judges tonight? Would we be ready? Because, I mean, we have to see this from a, a honest perspective of the pastors that we stand upon today, like Leonard Ravenhill, David Wilkerson, and Schaumbach, and all those guys. You know, I believe that they were on fire, men of God that preached the truth, and they did not question. They heard from the Lord, even when it went against, totally against everything that the world thought or even the religious people thought. What if they didn't make it in? What if for some reason those guys of anguish and of truth filled by the Holy Spirit did not make it in? What's that say for us? You know, so I'm not saying I'm not saying, you know, uh, you know, idolize those men for any. You know, they they had their time and they preached the gospel, but they were just the vessels. But that's the kind of fire that we need in our own life. Are we willing to do whatever it takes? Are we willing to, to, to say, you know, what? I'm done with this complacent. I'm done with this mediocre Christian life and get on fire for God. Are we willing to do that? Because that's what it's going to actually take. You know, before we're reading on, I'm going to give this example here. I believe this is something the Lord that, that the Lord gave me about. Sometimes it is easy for us to say, you know what? I, I, I'd go to jail for Jesus or I'd go to a, a country where I'm going to be persecuted for the name of Jesus where I, you know, I could die for the name of Jesus. But truth of the matter is, is that if we are not willing to lose our job, our family, our friends, our house, our everything, first, we're not going to go to jail for the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't even give him 10 minutes of prayer. 
Amen. You know what I mean? I mean, just that alone, you know, when nothing's going on, if you can't even dedicate a day to your day, you and he, how can you think you're going to stand up in persecution? That's a great point. And, you know, we have to start in reality with the Lord. We have to start small. If you think about the talents, you know, that the, those guys had. And if we're not willing to start small and work our way big with the Lord, it doesn't go the other way around. You don't start big and then go small. You know, you start out in one position saying, all right, Lord, I'm going to start here because this is where I, I, I really want to know what your will for my life is. But we've got to start with that one thing first. And he may say, you know what? You know, you, your prayer life has gotten better. You're reading the words gotten better. But there's some other things that you still need to get rid of first. Because trust me, go to a country like China where you can get ex or get persecuted for believing in Jesus Christ. <laughs> and those people have to know that they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to know when you're over there. There is, you know, no American love, you know, patriotism or, you know, cotton candy gospel, whatever you want to call it. There's none of that over there. American Christianity, and I'm going to say this live, it is a joke. And the reason why it is a joke is because you got the Baskin Robbins of church religion out there today. You got the 31 flavors of religion out there today where you can pick and choose. And the reason why all of this agenda is coming forward today as we are seeing it coming forward today is because we're not standing on the word of God anymore. And I see that with people I talk to. It's like I'm talking to a brick wall, you know, because I'm trying to tell them about what the Lord has done for me um, and how he's changed my life. And you know what? It's like when they hear that, they're still like, they're almost like in a duh. Yeah. Um, just a restart. All right, when you see that thing, hit the first one. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's just like they still have this dull look on their face, and so it's like the spiritual warfare that we are fighting today is because too much complacency has taken over. And so when we try and tell people about the Lord, the first thing they're thinking, their religious radar goes up, and that's the first thing that they're thinking about is oh. She's going to try and get me to go to church. She's going to try and get me to do this. She's going to try and, you know, tell me thou shalt this, that, and the other. He's got nothing to do with that. But that has been, you know, stamped into people's minds. So it's like they don't want it. They don't want to hear about it. You know, they say, well, the Bible's been used for religious wars and the Bible, you know, this, that, and the other and whatnot. And you've got to get people's minds out of that. You know, so it's like when you try and tell them your own personal experience, but when we do, we've got to have the fire to back it up. We can't just tell them and just say, okay, see you later. You know, do we have a fire? Do we have a conviction about our own life when we're actually telling people about this? Are we saying, well, you know, I guess it was about five years ago now that, yeah, I was depressed, but, uh, but you, you know, there, I kind of read the word and how is that going to be convicting? <laughs> How is that going to be convicting? No, we have to have conviction behind it. But when we're complacent, we will actually tell our story that way. We will, you know, because it's like there's something inside of us that says, don't do that. Shh, shut up. You know, what if the boss hears you? Good. I'm going to start yelling then. <laughs> you know? All right. So uh, if anyone, does anyone go That's ahead? That's a good point. Like, almost have that, like, your your Jesus sales pitch. Like, how, what's it done for you in your life? And just, like, boom, right there, you know? 
and they have a few that could obviously work for different people, but they're obviously a virtual experience. That's true. Absolutely true. Amen. All right. So from here, let's go to Isaiah 64. And verse 1. And hi, everyone that's listening in. Timotheus, Teresa, Tatiana, Latoya. Isaiah 64 and verse 1. I am going to start reading here. O thou that wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causes the water to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither have uh, hath they seen, hath the eye seen, O God, besides thee? What he that prepareth for him, that waiteth for him? Thou meetest him that rejoicest at the work, and worketh righteousness. Those that remembered thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned. In those it continue, in those is continuous, and we shall be saved. But we are all as unclean things, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us, thou hast consumed us because of our iniquities. So let's read this here again in verse um, 7. Let's hear this again. And there is none that call upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us. Thou hast consumed us because of our iniquities. So there can actually come a point, and we know that this is talking about Israel. Israel was constantly doing this. They were constantly, one minute they were over here, they were on fire for the Lord, and the next minute back they are complaining again. And this was a constant thing with them. And the Lord had to deal with Israel for, you know, what, six, seven, eight hundred thousands of years. He had to deal with Israel and their complaining ways and how he delivered them out of Egypt. And if you think about that, how they constantly were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with the Lord. Let's put that into perspective with our own life. How many times do we go back and forth with the Lord? How many times does Lord do a situation in our life to kind of like boost us to get us to go forward? And we're like, oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't deserve this, but you gave it to me anyways. Hallelujah. And we're on fire that day. But then come the next day or a few days later, what happens? We might go right back into the same old situation that we were before because it's not truly inside of us to move forward with the Lord. And that, that's what it takes. And that's something the Lord had to show me, you know. 
I'm going to honestly say that I believe that a lot of my physical ailments came from the fact that I was not under the covering of the Lord. Because although I'm older now, and although I do feel some physical pain just because it's like these bodies are withering away, I'm going to tell you guys what. Yeah, I've had some headaches and stuff like that in the past, but I'm not feeling the same physical pains that I felt before six weeks ago. You know, I'm not. And so I know that some of that stuff had to have been demonic mm -hmm. in my life. I really do believe so, mm -hmm. because it's like I've got a lot more energy now than I used to. And, you know, I do think at times that we feel aches and pains just because these bodies were, were born into corruptible bodies. We're born into bodies that, you know, they are decaying. <laughs> as soon as we're born, they're decaying. And, you know, and it reminds us as well that we're going to have a heavenly body if we continue on with the Lord. But here it was saying that uh, that they were not stirring up the Lord. So is there a time in our life where in the beginning we feel like we've got the stirring up of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and then there may come a time when we don't feel that same stirring anymore? Yes, if we don't stay on track with the Lord. Now, if we're moving and we're ebbing and we're flowing with the Lord continuously, he's going to take us further. But we, you know, that's saying you can't put the cart before the horse. We cannot truly be sanctified until we are ready to ready to give up all and everything to serve the Lord. That doesn't mean he's going to take everything from us. But if he did, would we still continue on and go forward? If everyone left us in our life, if if he put us in a desert place somewhere where it was just us and the Lord, no one else, no tablets, no cell phones. Thank you, Jesus. No, nothing. No, nobody but us and the Lord. You know, would we would we still serve him? Would we get on fire for the Lord? Because to some people that that would be like, you know, I can't I can't do that. To some people, they wouldn't want to get separated. To some people, they wouldn't want to leave everything behind and give it all to the Lord. And so everyone's we all have to be honest with our own self. Would we actually do that? Would we give up our credentials? Would we give up everything that we've worked for in our status in this life would we give that all up to say you know what lord this is all vanity of vanities it is all vanity all i want to do is just leave it all behind and serve you can we be honest enough in our own self to say I i'm ready for that I this is what i truly want to do because i think that if we're not if we're at least honest about it and say lord you know this is nice but i don't think i'm ready for that then the Lord can work. But if we're not honest about that, if we're thinking, oh, yeah, sure, I would. But in the back of our minds, we know, you know, you're lying. That's not truly what you mean. This is not truly this or truly that. He can't work with us there. We have to admit where we are with the Lord. So that way he can stir us up again. But lukewarmness and complacency, it is so subtle. It will lie to us all the time. The devil will make everyone a Christian to, for people to go to hell. You know, there's that thing right now about Kanye, apparently Kanye West, West coming out saying that he knows that he's in need of a savior and all that kind of stuff and blah, blah, blah. And but yet he's still in Hollywood. Yeah, he's still doing all these things and whatnot. And people are just they're they're going crazy. They're, you got people I literally going back and forth over this saying, you don't know if he's not telling the truth or whatever. And, and I put on there is like the Bible clearly states you cannot serve two masters. But these people really have got to do their own research on these guys, because as we know, most of these guys have done some really dirty works to keep their image. 
And the Bible also says there's another Jesus and there is another spirit. So people are getting all caught up over what Kanye West is doing. Hey, man, he needs a savior. He needs Jesus Christ as everyone else in Hollywood does. But so do we. And we have to live in the reality of where we are in our own life with the Lord. So that way we don't get taken away with the nonsense garbage that Hollywood's putting out today. Because if we can't clearly see what the world's trying to do, if we can't clearly see the times that we're living in, if we can't clearly see what the nose is saying about we're getting ready to go to war with Iran, if we can't clearly see all of that stuff right now, we got our heads in the sand, there's something wrong with that. There is something wrong with that picture because we don't know the times that we're living in. And we're not really going to be ready for the persecution when it comes. And we're going to back away and we'll end up taking the mark of the beast. People don't really realize that. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's what um, I remember when uh, the Seahawks were going a few years ago. Remember Russell Wilson mm-hmm. was coming out as a Christian, running and praying for everybody. And how he got all the Christians to like flock to that and believe that he was a man of God. But yet he married that woman, Sierra. And now there's no real talk of Jesus with him at all. So yeah. You see, it's it's every now and then the devil will give us a test to say, okay, let's see if we can convince these people that even a rapper can give his life to Christ and still live in Hollywood and see if their, um, what do you call it, discernment is there to know good from evil. Mm-hmm. And if they are able to pass that on us and we just sit there like, yeah, you know, it's good. Snoop Doggy Dog is a minister now. You know, but when you start believing that, then they say, okay, we got these clouds. Now we can go ahead and do whatever we want to do because they don't even know what a Christian is anymore. So great points. Well, when people come out of Hollywood really as a Christian, you don't hear a word about it. Sure. They just drop off and never hear about it. It's like no, no Gibson fit in the passion of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's crazy. And then they, they, who knows? I don't know much about him, but. Yeah, it's definitely they, they try to like demonize him. But you know, just like Paul, you know, Snoop Doggy Dog can also be a, a <laughs> guy, you know, who knows? <laughs> but, but yeah, he's got to end it and begin here. Yeah. But if he did, we wouldn't hear about it on TV. <laughs> right, or newspaper right, or exactly. magazine. They, that'd be mum. Right. They would say he finally yeah. lost his mind. You know, mm-hmm. they would want to do whatever to him. So the devil's only going to love that which is like itself. Exactly. Exactly. That is so true. All right. Let's keep reading here. But now, O Lord, thou thou art our father. We are the clay. Thou art the potter. And we are, we all the works of thy hands. Be not wroth, very sore, O Lord. Neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, see, we beseech thee. We are all thy people. The holy city, cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and our beautiful house, where our fathers praise thee, is burned up with fire, and all our pleasant things are waste. Wilt thou refrain thyself from the for these things, O Lord? Wilt thou hold thy peace and afflict us very sore? So it's even saying here that there are certain places where the fathers worship that were burned up with fire. So let's think about that for a second. You know, does that, can we say that that means like the modern day church is going to be consumed with fire, not a Holy Spirit fire, but an actual fire because they are not serving the Lord. They are not truly serving the Lord with righteousness. And a thought escaped me and it came back today about the whole thing going back and forth about Christian rap is because you got people out there today that actually like it. 
you got so-called Christians who want to see Kanye West, who want to see Snoop Dogg and doing all that kind of stuff because they're not willing to turn away from the world. That's why that debate is there. You will only do what you actually enjoy that you do. And so if they're saying all this stuff, hey, man, if you want to go with the world, that's on you. But people have got to know what this word says for themselves. Because if it's saying here that those places are burned up, guarantee you when things go down, the churches are going to be burned up. And then what are people going to do? Oh, our church is burned up. Now what do we do? The pastor's, you know, he's dead or he's got locked up or, you know, he went a different way. Now what do we do? I cry unto the Lord. Yeah, I don't know. You know, that's what you should have done in the first place. But people are so caught up with what the pastor's saying and in everything that's coming out of his mouth, believing in politics, believing in all this other stuff, you know, lying to people. Some people full well know that they're lying to people. And that burns me up inside because when I talk to people about Jesus Christ and they give me that dead stare of religion <laughs> on their faces, I know what's happened to them. I know they've had some sort of bad religious experience in their past that's binding them that makes them grit their teeth when I say I believe in Jesus Christ. I didn't say I believed in religion, but here lately they're trying to put they're trying to merge the two together. And so when you say you're not religious, what do people what what are there you're not religious? Well, didn't you just say you were a Christian? Didn't you just say you read the Bible? Yeah, that doesn't mean. I, and when you try and tell them the Bible speaks against religion, they're just. Oh, really? You know, they don't they don't get what you're saying. And so that's why we do have to get on fire for the Lord. And we do have to know the Lord for ourselves. And we have to be able to walk alone in our relationship with the Lord, if that is what it takes. All right. So from here, I am going to play a video. Um, and it is called, uh, Are You a Lukewarm Christian and Loving It? Then it is time to uh, time to change. Now, this is going to be done by Francis Chan. This video of Francis Chan is on point, but I don't agree with everything that he says. But we are going to hear this one. See, my concern is that some of you in this room, many of you, I'm not judging. I'm just saying that you would probably say it about yourself, that you're lukewarm. If I were to ask you, okay, are you on fire for God right now? Or are you lukewarm? I think a lot of you would say you're lukewarm. What concerns me more than the fact that you're lukewarm is that some of you would say, yeah, I am lukewarm. And then you'll walk out the door and you'll do nothing about it. What concerns me the most is that some of you are lukewarm. You know you're lukewarm, but you want to be lukewarm. You've planned your life out this way. You, you've got enough God in your life. It's not like you don't, you don't want to be on fire. I mean, I look at the majority of the American church. They don't want to be on fire. They want a little bit of God. Of course they want God. I want a little bit of God. I mean, it's good. It's good for my kids. It's good to give them a little bit of morals. It's good to, you know, learn to give a little bit here and there, serve a little bit. But I've got enough of God. I don't have enough money. I don't got enough stuff. I don't got a big enough house. I need more of that. But I, I think I've got enough God in my life right now. 
That's crazy. Not only are you lukewarm, but that's the goal. You're lukewarm and you're loving it. And you hate for anyone to challenge you to be on fire for God. It's word content here. It's, it's the craziest thing. Do you understand this passage? What is lukewarm equal? Spit out. Well, what does spit out mean? I mean, you know, can you explain that? I, I need to. Well, what do you want to hear? Oh, it comes from the Hebrew word hak, which means hak. You know, uh, you know. What, what, what do you want? What, what do you want? I mean, it's, it's this idea of spit out. And people have asked, well, does it necessarily mean that if I'm lukewarm that I'm going to hell? Because if you're spit out of his mouth, can you be spit out of his mouth and still be saved? You read it. Look at the words. Okay, you're wretched. Pitiful, poor, blind. Are, are these words that you normally use for a believer? I once was blind, but now I'm blind. <laughs> you, you know, it, no, no, these are un, these are people who aren't saved. See, because if you get it, you won't be lukewarm. And this isn't a about work salvation it's not about okay if i work enough then i'm suddenly on fire no i'm saying if you get it the kingdom of heaven is a person goes whoa you're kidding me okay here here's everything i'm getting this treasure here it's not about a person going i don't know that's pretty good that's pretty good too i don't know what i want there's god there's the world there's god there's i don't know god says oh you you make me want to gag so, so you're looking at me, okay, the maker of the world, and then you on this little planet, you're looking at this little house here in this little car and going, man, I don't know if I can give that up or retirement for a few years. And you're comparing me, the creator, the one who made the whole world, who spoke it into existence. And you're going, ooh, I don't know if I can give up this little thing on this piece of dirt for him. He goes, that makes me sick. You make me want to gag. I just want to spit you out of my mouth. See, your riches have so blinded you that you think the stuff is good. You don't see it as dumb. It's a big pile of crap. And you don't get it. You think it's actually good. It's all this great stuff. You've been blinded by it. He goes, and that just makes me sick. God looks and he goes, man, you're comparing me to this. You're wondering if I'm valuable enough. Man, the kingdom of heaven is a guy that just goes, duh. Are you kidding me? Let me just sell everything. It's about a guy that jumps out of the tree and goes, forget it. I can have God. He goes, but these people that are lukewarm, that's just repulsive. That's just sick to me. See, my my, my concern is that the people will see themselves as lukewarm because we do this in church all the time. And then 10 minutes later, you're going to forget about it move on in life, and I just go, what else is there to think about? Okay, so so you understand what lukewarm is, so you're going to be spit out of the mouth of God. You, you just go, okay. I go, man, you shouldn't do anything until you figure out how to be on fire for God. You should be down on your face. You shouldn't eat again until you come before God and just fast and pray, God, get me on fire. I'm not on fire. you got to get me on fire for you. I want to be in love with you. i got to see how valuable you are. You're all this other junk. You know, get me here. That should be all you care about. Don't go to work tomorrow if you're lukewarm. 
Man, sell your house. Just move. Live in the, do whatever it takes. You can't end your life lukewarm. Do you get that? I mean, why, why are Jesus' words so strong? He says in the next verse, verse 19, why does he say it so harshly? Verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Why is God saying this? Because I love you. I don't want to spit you out of my mouth. You understand? I love you, and that's why I'm speaking so harshly, and I'm rebuking you. He goes, and I'll discipline you too. I'll have things happen in your life to get your attention. Because you're lukewarm. And if you end this way, I'm just going to spit you out of my mouth because that's disgusting. It's repulsive to me. You make me gag when you when you question whether I'm worthy of everything. And you compare me to your stuff and your false security, your idols. I was trying to think about this passage this week and say, okay, how does this relate? Because I want everything to be about love your neighbor as yourself. How does this relate to that? And Jesus says, I tell you this because I love you. And so I said, I said okay, what, what, what do I, what's the most loving thing I could say to you this morning? And I thought long and hard about this. And it's not going to sound pretty. But I, I believe it's the most loving thing I could say to you this morning. I have this haunting fear. Even if you've been coming for years, grew up in the church, whatever else. I have this fear that some of you, possibly many, many of you, are going to hell. Keeps me up at night. I read the Bible and I go, man, kingdom of heaven is like a guy that just sold out. Is that what we have here? Some of you are. I know you are. But I have this other fear of like people that like being lukewarm. People that are there. You understand the reality of what I said? I'm talking about hell. Have you heard that word so many times that you just have grown numb to it? Eternal punishment. I said, what in the world am I doing up here then? And again, I, I sure hope you don't see this as while well. Francis is up there judging the congregation saying he's saved. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I'm willing to bet some of you would leave this room and say it about yourself that you are lukewarm, meaning you're going to be spit out of the mouth of God and cast into the fires of hell. That's all I'm saying is what you would say about yourself. And it blows me away that, that some of you won't do anything. You see, because to me, I just go, Whatever, God. I got to get this right. Sometimes I get caught. What do you think? That suddenly I'm just oblivious to all the riches and everything? I, I get caught. I get sucked into Simi Valley of this comfort, secure, happy little Disneyland world we live in. And I get attached thinking, this is my home. This is the home. And God just saying, come on. That's not your house. I mean, I get sucked in by this awesome little family and how cute my kids are and how much I love them and, ooh, I couldn't bear to lose one. You know, it's God. And again, I had to go, God, am I lukewarm? Am I a man that even wants your will? I've got to be right about this. 
Man, and I've said, God, anything, anything, because I see the treasure now. Just give me that. Give me that. If you have to take everything else away, you know what? If you have to take away all my stuff, it's just stop. If you need to take my family away, it's just a family. I'm talking about God. I got to have this. And sometimes I get clouded by the riches and the security that we have here. And that's why, guys, it's going to be hard for you. And I will do anything. I will leave. That's, that's what I'm hoping I just show. I'm out of here. If I can't pull it off here, I'm leaving. Maybe I'm just not strong enough. I'd love to think that I could be that man here that lived in this crazy, rich, safe environment and still could care less about all that security and have my eyes focused on God. That's what I want to be. I'd love to be that example here. But if I can't, then I'm out of here. I, I'll sell everything and just, just live amongst the poor. Maybe I'm just not strong enough. To really have my eyes on God here. I gotta keep fixed on him. I gotta be on fire. I'll do whatever. I'll jump ship. I am not going down with the ship. Wow, you're a terrible captain. I'm sorry, as much as I love you, I love myself far more. And I'm talking about my own salvation here. And again, it's not about work, not about earning it. It's just you know, you ever ever like when someone's struggling, someone becomes a new believer. And let's say their struggle is is uh, is drinking, and you say, you know, maybe you should just get out of the bar for a little while, because maybe you're just not quite strong enough to handle it there, you know, and just not wise. You know, I've got a sickness, and it's this, it's called comfort, security, riches. Maybe I'm just not strong enough to handle it here, the safest city in America. You know, and so maybe it's just not wise for me to be there. And so I got to I got to watch myself and go, man, if I can't do it, because this is all that matters. It's everything. I hope you're that serious about this. Jesus says in verse 20, next verse, he says, here I am. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with them and he with me. Then verse 21, he says, to him who overcomes, I'll give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. See, Jesus says, look, I'm knocking on the door. He goes, I'm saying this because I love you, and I don't want to spit you out of my mouth. I, I, I'm knocking. I'm going, please, let me in. Let me in. I'm greater. These are greater riches. Just look at it. The other stuff is dumb. It's garbage compared to me. Trust me. It's so much better here. He goes, not only if you overcome, and by overcome, overcome this lukewarm. You see, the Bible says that there's this huge road that leads to destruction. There's this huge lukewarm road that leads to destruction. It's broad. Everyone's going there. He goes, but there's a few people because there's also this narrow road. And few people will find it. Very few that are rich. Very few from, from Simi Valley. Very few, but they'll find it. And they're going to go against the flow. They're going to find it. And if you're one of those that overcomes you know, this flow that's going this direction, you're going, no, I see the treasure. I see Jesus. I'm, I'm going to walk to that. I don't care if everyone's gone. I got the treasure in mind. I'm going toward that. He goes, if you overcome, he goes, I'll give you the right to sit on my throne. You know what's awesome about that? This is the next verse in chapter four. He said, after this, I looked up and I saw the door standing open in heaven. What does he see there? He sees the throne of God. We've talked about chapter four before. Remember, John gets to go up there and see the throne. 
Do you understand the picture? He goes, I see this throne, and there's this being sitting on it. He's glowing like diamonds and rubies. This is a person. It's God. He's, he's glowing like diamonds and rubies. He's got lightning coming from his throne. He's got these pillars of fire. There's this roaring thunder coming from this throne. There's this big sea of glass around the throne. There's these 24 men dressed in robes, and they're just bowing down, dropping their crowns before the throne. There's these four living creatures with eyes all over their bodies and six wings looking at the throne screaming, Holy, holy, holy. He says there's a hundred million angels all bowing down and worshiping at the throne. And Jesus says, if you overcome, you can sit on that throne with me. You can be on that throne if you overcome. If you can see that throne and go, wow, that or this little world down here. That's why God says, you're going to look at all of that and then just go, I don't know. That makes me sick. That just makes me sick. Makes me want to spit you out of my mouth. And I will. Because you're trying to find this pleasure outside of me. You think these things compare to me, that's just repulsive. I've shown you the throne. I'm saying you can sit there if you overcome. You can have me, you can dine with me, you can be with me, you can have true riches, I'll clothe you with white robes, you, you'll have it all. The Bible says if you get it, you'll say, I'll oh, forget all this. I don't even care. I was reading Time Magazine last week. Does God want you to be rich? Remember that? You saw Time Magazine about all these televangelists going, oh, God wants you to be rich. Ah, oh, you know, riches are good. You know, you got to strive for it. You say, God, give it to me. Well, you know, if you've got the throne, you've got God, you won't care about the riches. It's not about being poor or rich. It's about, I don't care. I don't even think about it. And if my riches are an obstacle to God, that's all I care about. Why do I want anything else? What else do I desire on earth? It's all about the throne. It's all about heaven. Are you an overcomer? Is that you? Have you overcome this world? Here's what I want you to do. Yeah, man, I don't want this to be me manipulating anyone. I want you to be alone with God this morning. I want to give you some time to pray to God. Because I am not accusing any of you. I say I, I get scared about this because I don't know. But if you go, well, you know, just because I serve in a lukewarm way and I give in a lukewarm way and I pray in a lukewarm way. It doesn't mean I'm lukewarm. All right. But you, you just come before God and say, God, am I? Am I on fire for you? Do I really see how great it is to know you and the riches you, you have for me? Or am I caught up in all this junk? Give you some time of silence. And, and here's some things I want you to pray through. I want you to ask God, first of all, God, reveal to me the areas in my life where I'm lukewarm. Can you pray that to God? Say, God, show me where I'm lukewarm. You can probably pray that, right? How about the second thing? Would you be willing to say, God, give me strength in the areas where I'm weak and I'm lukewarm? You willing to pray that? But here's the real question. How about that third one? Are you willing to say, God, do whatever it takes to get me on fire for you? Whatever. That's a scary prayer. 
God, if you have to take everything I own away from me, if that's holding me back, God, please take it away. Please, 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 because I want you so badly. God, if it's, if it's, if it's loved ones, please, 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 just, I gotta be on fire for you. You wanna pray that? You see, the treasure is that great. So, just give you some time, just, just bow your head before God. Just start asking God for those things. Father, thank you for. Okay. So that's the video right there. And it'll be in the description box um, after you know it gets uploaded. But he speaks, I mean, he really speaks the truth in this one about being lukewarm. And as we know, lukewarm is spitting out. But what he's also saying is that there are people, there are people that are going to sit in the church for years upon years upon years. And they're going to stay lukewarm. And they're not going to hear what the scripture says about what God is going to do for those who live a, live a lukewarm Christian life. He's going to spew that person out. So we may think that we're saved one moment. And I'm not saying that we're not saved one moment. I'm not saying that the Lord can't come in. He can't clean our lives up. It's not, you know, we can't have that born again experience. But if we get caught up with the world, because it can happen. I am here today to tell you from my own personal experience, it can happen. If we're not willing to just take a look at our lives and say, you know what, Lord, this is where I was at. And I don't want to be here because I know what your word says about being lukewarm. And that's not where I want to be. And like I said earlier, start small, start in small commitments that we can keep before the Lord and grow with that because he can work with that. He can take the lukewarmness out of our life if we desire. But there are some people that have more fear of this world, more fear of losing everything, more fear of losing their husband, their wife, their children, their house, their cars, their you know financial status. If I become on fire for the Lord, he may call me into some, you know, Zimbabwe looking country where I don't have anything. You know, if that's really what's on our minds then how dare we call ourselves Christians? How dare we say, I serve the living God, if that's, what, if that's what's really on our minds? Because it says in Revelation and other places, the fearful and the unbelieving is the beginning. That's the first two called out in Revelation that shall have their part in the lake of fire. Yes, there. Great point, because even when we look at the parable of the sower, we can look at even God's word in a lukewarm type of way. Like for example, when yes. you look at he says those who understand will bring in some sixties, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Now to you know the lukewarm mind would say, okay, cool. I can get in at thirty. But did you know that thirty might have been John, sixty may have been Peter, one hundred might have been Paul. You see what I'm saying? And it's like you really got to get full of Christ to do what Christ says. Because some people will say what's thirty percent? 30% is what God says is 30%. Exactly. We know that all work harder than them all. But that doesn't mean that the others didn't give their 100% and they all didn't have the same amount. You know, so we got to look to Christ and get as full as we can get. Because our 30% may be, all right, if I can at least be like the pastor, you know, I'm okay. Your pastor may not even be on the chart. You know, he may have some spiritual growth and things to go on. So. 
I believe that those, you know, that 60, that 30, and that 100, it's all got to do with levels of Jesus Christ. Yes. It's really about Christ in you. It's not about your works or whatever you think you can commit to him. It's about how much of him you allow to work in your life. Amen. And that's true. It's like the one woman at the, the well who gave all that she had, which wasn't very much. You know, she gave like what uh, I think it was one um, denarius or whatever it's called. But she gave all that she had when the Pharisees were just giving whatever, you know, she gave everything. So she gave 100 percent in God's eyes. In the world's eyes, she gave least. But according to God, she gave everything because that is all that she had. And she was humbled when she did it. The Pharisees would just give whatever because they had, you know, and they probably didn't give what they were supposed to give because they were also greedy, you know, and trying to keep stuff. So it's a great point. It's like if we give everything that we have and not concentrating on getting jealous about what other people are bringing in, great point, 30, 60, 100 fold, the whole thing may be exactly 100% in God's eyes because we are doing what he calls us to do. You know, and even with the talents, the five talents, the two talents, and the one talent. You know, God wasn't trying to be unfair to people. He wasn't trying to be unfair to those guys and say, you know, looking at the guy with one talent as he gives the, the one with five talents saying, here is your five talents. You know, looking at that guy trying to make him feel jealous. It had nothing to do with that. God gives according to what he knows is inside of us. He gives us according to know that what we can work with in our own level. With, he's not going to give us more because if he give us more, what? Much is required to, to much is given, much is required. So if he gives us above what, you know, he knows that we're capable of doing. He also has to judge us in our spiritual life with that, that he gives us. So he would actually be unfair with him doing that. So if, if he knows that, hey, you know what? I know you're not ready for this but I know you're ready for this. So this is what I'm going to give you. He's actually being just and fair when he does that. Now he could obliviate the whole world and, and be just with doing that, but he doesn't because of his grace, because of his love, because of his mercy, because he wants us to get it right with him. So he's going to give us according to that and praise God for it. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ for it. You know, praise the Lord that even when, you know, there are times that we may think that we're getting it right. and He has to show us, let us be humbled with that and let us say, thank you, Jesus, that you didn't let me continue to go on down this road and you stopped me in my tracks and you humbled me. Let's thank the Lord when he does that. Not get mad at him to say, oh, Lord, why would you have to do that? You know, why would you have to embarrass me a little bit? I would rather be embarrassed on this earth in front of God than end up in hell in the lake of fire. I would rather that happen. I would rather he do that and give me another chance as he does. So from here, let's go to Ezekiel 33 and verse 30. If anyone has anything. Uh, I did find where the verse he was reading from. Anybody else wanted to know? He was reading from Revelation 4, verses 16. Okay, thank you. Cool. But you know, it's a scary place to be. It's lukewarm. And some people knowing that they're lukewarm and that's as far as, I mean, you have to, you, your mind has got to be on the verge of being seared, or that seared conscience that is talking about if you, if we are lukewarm and, and that's it. 
we, we've got no greater desire for the Lord Jesus Christ because as we all know, you can't just get complacent and stay there. That's not how it works. You know, we're either moving forward or we're moving backwards in our relationship with the Lord. What's frustrating for myself is I'll have those moments where it's super close. You're walking with and it's great and you're on this high. And then somehow you let that go. But it was so awesome when you were with him. Why do you get distracted and let him go? And then when you get back to that, you're like, yes! And then you want to stay there and then something pulls you somewhere else. Well, that's because it's like the dangers and what he's talking about, too. The dangers that we have today is that we've got all this, you know, Internet distraction. We've got the iPads and the cell phones and, and Internet and YouTube and Netflix, Pure Flix. Crazy family. Crazy family. <laughs> we got all the distractions of this world. And so it's like, why is why is the devil going to persecute us right now? He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to beat Jesus out of us. We're getting Jesus beat out of us by these things right here. This is what's doing it because we think, oh, I can do this tiny little thing and I'll be all right. Or I can just, you know, go here. You know, it's great to use these to research the gospel and the scriptures and to understand things, you know, that we may not understand or pray about it. Definitely make sure it's accurate because there's a lot of lies on here concerning the Bible as well. Make sure we're seeking the truth. And the Lord can use these. He can use movie screens to get the gospel out, you know, because we're in the last days. So it's like he's using whatever to get the gospel out. But at the same time, it can become a distraction. At the same time, it's like you may be listening to a sermon and the Lord say, I want you to turn that sermon off and get to my word. I want you to turn this off and get to prayer. You know, you can watch that later. But is your soul ready for heaven tonight? Are you ready to be judged tonight? And so it's like we have all this distraction in our faces today. So it's like the devils he's not going and we've got it backwards in our minds to think that persecution is going to come for those that, you know, are doing wrong or not believing or this or that. And the other and we've got it twisted. Persecution belongs to the real believers of Jesus Christ. That's what belongs to, you know, the prophets. Look at what all the prophets had to endure. Look at Jesus Christ, what he endured, he himself, the one that died on the cross for our sin. Look at what the disciples endured and were glad to endure because what they say, now I'm more like Jesus. Look at what all these guys endured that this word right here could be in our hands today, even though it's in whatever, however many misinterpreted translations. But it's in almost every single country. It's in all the languages today so people can get this word, you know. But persecution belongs to those that are strong enough to endure. The Lord knows in our state right now, if we were to be persecuted, would we still stand for him? You know, sometimes we can't even stand when someone gives us a funny look. How are we going to be persecuted if we can't even stand to be called a name at work for being a Christian? If our feelings get hurt over that. No, we got to have some sanctified feelings first before we go into that level. All right. So uh, Ezekiel 33 and verse 30. Also, thou son of man. The children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses and speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they say, and they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they shew much love, but with their heart 
but their heart goeth after covetousness. So let's look at this because this is something that in some churches I went to, I saw this. This is gossiping right here. You got people standing off to the corners. You know, some some days you go in and uh, to a church and there's like little clicks going on and people talking about how somebody dressed at church and somebody was talking about how the pastor is doing this and their kids are off drinking over here. And so many things are going off. But hey, let's go get a good message. Let's hear what the pastor has to say. But in their heart, they, they can't wait to gossip about somebody. They can't wait to go in and say, oh, man, did you hear about what so-and-so did last week? Did you hear about what happened to them? You know, and, and did you know what happened to their children? And you hear this and you hear that. Instead of praying for them, they're gossiping about, you know, about them. That's not being a Christian. But they want to go in and they want to have this lukewarm little complacent Christian life saying, you know, praise the Lord. You know, oh, much love, brothers and sisters, but the hearts after covetousness. You know, David Wilkerson was talking about when it came to entertainment in the church. He's saying, you know, people are more entertained with football and with soap operas. And he said this one woman was thinking about, well, I don't know what Mary's going to do because she's on her third husband. And this is supposed to be a Christian that's thinking about all these things, you know. And it's like you have so many Christians today involved in entertainment, involved in the world thinking that they can have that, thinking that they can go to church and, and gossip about people, and the fire has gone out. Did you have something? Yeah, like when he was speaking of covetousness, mm -hmm. I agree, because, you know, a lot of people can, uh, David Wilkerson mentioned, too, that we can sing and say, Lord, I surrender all. And he said, but when it comes down to it for the week, you'll go after your greed, after your gain, you know, and it really shows where your heart is, you know, the things that you really want. Because are you hearing the voice of God when he sees, you know, when you say you surrender or are you going forward to that which you're greedy after, which you desire, you know, covetous, just, you know, can't get enough of the world. But when we say that we want Christ, when we surrender, we can't even hear his voice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Amen. And it's not, I know this has been said before, and it's not that we can't have marriage. It's not that we can't have children or a house to live in or a car to drive. But that can't be our central focus. It, the Jesus Christ in getting his will done and becoming soldiers in this very effeminate, soft, emotional, uh, weak, walk, uh, weak world today. I mean, you see it all the time. And, we, and it's like if we're really strong for Jesus Christ, even in some Christian circles, when we're strong for Jesus Christ, they're going to look at us funny. They go, oh, you're cold. Oh, you're hard. Why are you this? You're a stone. You're a brick. You're, you know, you don't show much love. You don't show much care. It's like, no, I'm just not over emotional like you are. <laughs> you know, it's got nothing to do that I don't care. But care and love is the truth. Care and love is telling people, hey, you know what? This economy is getting ready to collapse. Care and love is telling people when they ask you, hey, what is your thoughts on abortion? It's murder. Because you care for that unborn child. You care for that woman that's getting ready to commit that act that she will have a spirit of murder placed in her and she'll go to hell. That's what true love and care is, but not in this diverse world today, not in this world run by homosexuals, not in this world that's run by, you know, have all this stuff, have your best life now. We're looked at as the olive ball because why? We're truly following after Jesus Christ and what his word says. You don't need to go to Bible college. You don't need to go to seminary to learn all this stuff. All you got to do is read the word and be inspired by the Holy Ghost. That's what it's truly about. 
And I thank Jesus Christ that he's put that in our minds that we can have that because you got so many people today claiming to be Christians and they're no more Christians than a prostitute on the street. And I guarantee if that prostitute on the street got saved, they would be more of a Christian than a religious person because they would know the life they came from. They'd know the Lord took me from this. He took me from sexual immorality. He took me from drugs. He took me from, you know, a, a crazy pimp that just turned me out all the time. He took me from all of that. And they would get on fire sooner and go out and tell more people about Jesus Christ because they know what they came from. Many worldly people are more honest than, than religious people. Mm -hmm. Religious people rather look it, but you know, you find a lot of worldly people just tell you straight up. Yes or no. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So true. All right. Uh, verse 32. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. So it's saying not when, but it's going to come. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. So he's telling them, hey, this is what's going to happen. Your people are going to do this. They're not going to hear what you have to say. Now try and be a prophet, a true prophet of Jesus Christ and go into a church today and tell them, hey, you know what, pastor? You're preaching lies and you're, con you're leading your congregation to hell. Instead of them correcting the pastor, they probably throw the prophet out. You want to know why? Because that's what they want to hear. Their minds have been stirred to hear that. I'm not saying that every church is bad today. There are still some good ones out there. But we are turning, turning, and turning to the ways of man and more uh, instead of the ways of God. And that's how we know that the end is that much closer because the word said that this is going to happen. All right, from here, let's go to Hosea 7 and 1. All right, Hosea 7 and verse 1. When I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered, and the wickedness of Samaria, for they committed falsehood. And the thief cometh in, and the troops of robbers spoiled without. And they consider not in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now their own doings have beset them about. And they are before my face. So I want to read verses one and two one more time. When I would have healed Israel. So here's another thing. The Lord's trying to take us in a further walk with him. Okay, let's let's keep this in our minds when he's saying, When I would have healed Israel. He was getting ready to heal them. Okay, the Lord's saying to us, I'm getting ready to take you to another level of spiritual walk with me. Then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered. And the wickedness of Samaria, for they committed falsehood. And the thief came, cometh in, and the troops of robbers spoiled without. And they considered not their own heart, that I remember all their wickedness. Now their own doings have beset them about. They are before my face. So they didn't even remember their own wickedness, but the Lord did. And, uh, they didn't even consider their own heart with what they were doing. 
And so this is another way that can that complacency can actually come into our hearts. That actually can be that kind of subtleness is because, like I've already said, we're going about and we're walking with the Lord and we're talking with the Lord. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, well, maybe not out of nowhere, something comes. The devil brings something into our life, a trick. And you know what? That trick might take us away. And because of that, we're not even thinking about our own walks with the Lord anymore because of that. You know, we may start doing things that we hadn't done in a while. We may start going back to ways that we haven't gone back to in a while. And the Lord's going to, if he does, and I pray that the Lord corrects us. I pray that the Lord corrects anyone in their walk with the Lord when that happens. Because we can go back to that same wickedness that we had in our lives once before. Yes, we gave it up for a time, but the devil's always watching. He's always trying to trip us up. He's always trying to get us in a way. And this has happened to me before. The Lord was getting ready to, to take me to another level in a spiritual walk with him. And I stunted my own growth because of that. I started doing something again, maybe started watching too many movies or too many videos or whatever. I'm not saying I ever went back to alcohol or cigarettes or anything, nothing to that level. But that doesn't matter. You know, the devil may not, he's not always going to tempt us with the big things. He may tempt us with the smaller things. Even if it's not movies, if we're not strong enough in our prayer life, if we're not strong enough in reading the word and drawing closer to the Lord, he can get us there as well. All right, verse three, they make the king glad with their wickedness and the princes with their lies. They are all adulterers as an oven heated by the baker who seetheth from raising after he hath kneaded the dough until it be leavened. In the day of our king, the princes have made him sick with bottles of wine. He stretcheth out his hand with scorners for they have made ready their heart like an oven. Whilst they lie in wait, their baker sleepeth all the night. In the morning it burneth with as flames of fire. They are all hot as oven, as an oven, and have devoured their judges. All their kings are fallen. There is none among them that calleth unto me. Ephraim hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth it not. And the pride of Israel testifieth to his faith that they are not turned to the Lord their God, nor seeketh him for all this. So they became hot like an oven. They were like cakes that were in the oven. But the, you know, the baker slept. He didn't come in. He didn't check on it. You know, he didn't, you know, uh, take the cakes out. And that's what it's trying to say here is, is that, you know, they had gotten so full of themselves and they'd gotten so full, but they weren't doing anything about it. You know, they had sinned against the Lord again. And but, you know, they had not done anything about our own their own spiritual walk. And that's the same thing for us. You know, it's just like that was said before. It's like the Lord's not going to recharge a battery that's not used. So it's like if we are reading the word, even if we're listening to gospel music and we're trying to start our day out with the Lord, there is still something there that's holding us back. You know, we can listen to all the spiritual music in the world that we want to. We can, you know, do all the things that we think that we're doing right before the Lord that we want to. But what is stopping our spiritual growth? Because it's not God. 
it's not him that's stopping us. There's something inside of us that is stopping us. And that, that, that what it is, is that we don't want to go any further with the Lord. Yes, exactly. The treasure is Exactly. And so it's like, if we're so filled with whatever it is, and we're not moving forward with the Lord, then we need to be poured out. We need to be poured out from the world, be poured in with Jesus. But that pouring that he puts into us, it's not just supposed to be one pouring, okay, I poured you once and that's it. No, he's supposed to pour in us every day because if he pours into our cup, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to pour out to the world, you know, what he pours into us. Because it's like he can't give us anything else unless we're doing his work. And that's another thing that I saw in my own life. You know, it's like I started seeing, you know, fruitfulness. I started seeing things, you know, positive things started happening from the Lord. You know, even financially things started happening, you know. And so it's like when I saw that, I knew it was a blessing. But it's like, you know, being faithful with the Lord gives us. He is going to bless us. But we can stop the blessings in our own life because we're not doing the Lord's will. And I'm not saying that God's harsh and saying, oh, I'll never bless you if you don't do this, that, and the other. That's not what it is. But why is he going to bless someone that's not serving him? You know? Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, if we're not willing to serve the Lord, you know, if we're not willing to get on fire for him, you know, if we're not willing to do his will, if we're not willing to keep the commitments that we've made before him, what are the blessings for? You know, how many times have we prayed for things and it seems like, man, Lord, this is just not coming to fruition. I feel like I need to pray about this. Well, how are we praying over it? Like, Lord, I need a car. Well, do you need the newest car that's the most expensive car out there that's going to put you in debt for the next hundred years? Is that the kind of car that you need? Or do we need something that the Lord says, this is what I want you to have? It's not perfect. It's not 100%, but it's going to remind you of my blessings. It's going to remind you of what I did for you. It's going to remind you that I, I allow you to do this so you wouldn't have to, you know, take the train or take the bus. Now, if people are comfortable with that. That's that's on to them. But, you know, if you need a vehicle for whatever reasons, the Lord's going to bless you with that. The car that I have is not perfect. It's got issues. It's got some work that needs to be done. But I'm grateful for the Lord that he gave it to me. I knew that that's, that was the one that he had for me because it has issues. <laughs> You know, I don't want something. I don't want something that's going to take my mind off of Jesus Christ. That's not what I want. And there's so much out there today that can do that. You know, there's the life and lap of luxury that can really take our minds off of Jesus Christ if we have that. And that's not what I want. And like he said, if we're in a situation that if we had that kind of stuff and it would make us weak, then we don't need to have it. We really don't. If we can't have a nice house, a nice car, a nice family, and, and, you know, great financial status in our life, if we can't have that and serve Jesus Christ first, then we don't need to have that in our life because that's just going to take our hearts further and further and further because we wouldn't be able to give it up if God asked us to. We really would not be able to. All right, let's continue on. Verse 9. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs. Um, gray hairs are here and there upon him, but he knoweth it not. And the pride of Israel testifieth to his face, and they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. 
Ephraim also is like a silly dove without a without heart. They call to Egypt and they go to Assyria. When they shall go, I will spread my net upon them. I will bring them down as the fowls of the heaven. I will chastise them as their congregation hath heard. Woe unto them, for they have fled from me. Destruction unto them, because they have transgressed against me. Though I have redeemed them, yet they have spoken lies against me. They have not cried unto me with their heart. When they howled upon their beds, they assembled themselves for corn and wine, and they rebelled against me. Though I have bound them strength, though have though I have bound and strengthened their arms, yet they do Im- imagine mischief against me. They return, but not to the Most High. They are like a deceitful bow. Their princes shall fall by the sword for the rage of their tongue. This shall be their derision in the land of Egypt. So it said here that they returned, but they didn't return on the God. So it tells you, who did they return to? They returned unto themselves. They returned unto the things that they wanted to do. You know, the Lord delivered them. He gave them strength. He bound them up. And yet they still imagined wickedness. They still imagined evil in their hearts. And this is something that can happen to a person that thinks that they're a Christian, yet they're going in a complacent way. Your mind constantly thinks about things that it shouldn't. It might think about, oh man, you know, well, I'm a Christian. And I, you know, I, I want to live right for Jesus Christ, but I also want all this other stuff over here. I, I still want to be able to watch my TV shows, and I still want to be able to watch my movies, and I still want to be able to go to the bar and hang out and have fun, and I still want to do all this other stuff. It doesn't work that way. We're either going to have Jesus full time or we're not. But eventually, within ourselves, and I'm saying this is a working process for all of us. I know it is for me. But eventually, there's going to come a time in our life where the Lord's going to ask us, are you ready? Are you ready? Now, he's going to do this when we are, you know, but are we ready? But think about it, too. And I know this is a question that's been asked many times that we're not promised another day on this earth. We are not. Our life could be cut short tonight, and we will stand before Jesus Christ. What will he say about us? What will he say about me? You know, I pray every night, Lord, forgive me of things that I didn't say or did say that were not of you. I repent. Move me forward in you. Because if this is my last night, I want to be able to stand before Jesus Christ and him say, welcome in, thou good and faithful servant. And I don't believe I'm there yet. And I don't want to believe I'm at that place with him until I actually stand before him. You know, but it's a scary thing. This is something we really, really, really need to think about every single day. Every single day. Would we make it into the kingdom? Because there are going to be people, I'm saying this to them. They're going to hear it. And they're just, they're going to stay in their complacent little life. And I pray for those people. I really do that they get on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ because they won't make it into the kingdom. But if that is in us, then we won't make it into the kingdom either. We've got to be real with that. All right, so let's go to um, Haggai. I'm doing the hard ones tonight. (laughs) Haggai 1 in verse 1. 
gotta find it myself. <laughs> there it is. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but praise the Lord, you know. I just I just can't stop thinking the Lord Jesus Christ about what he's done, you know, with this and what he's done recently in my life over the last couple of months, you know, and how he's just he's given me a change and I want that fire because I felt the fire that I had before, I felt it start to come back on me. And when that happened, I, I, I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to do this worldly stuff anymore. I don't want this. It, it's garbage. We're getting ready to go into a time like no other. And it's just like, I know everyone's in their own place with the Lord right now, but I pray with the fact that we don't know what's going to happen next week. We don't know what's going to happen next year with the political system and everything. We just don't know. But what we do know is that we can have Jesus today. That's what we do know. And that we need to turn to him and we need to repent and give our lives over to him. All right. Haggai one and one. Okay. Haggai, yes. I say it country. Haggai. <laughs> All right. In the second year of Darius, the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord unto Haggai, the prophet, unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord to Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in this sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your weight. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye are but ye have not enough. Ye drink. But ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And ye and he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. So, man, does this not speak a mouthful right here? Talking about all that, you know, the Lord's given to us. But it's like we're not, we don't have enough stuff. You know, like he said, you know, I have enough God, but I don't have enough stuff. So are we content? I mean, you can be content with what the Lord's given to us, but it's saying right here, I've given you meat, I've given you drink, I've given you clothes, you have money, but it's not enough. And so what that is saying there is, is that we don't have enough of our relationship with the Lord and we want more of the we want more of the world. We want more of the world's jewels and clothing and money and all the fancy stuff that we can get. That's what we want. But we have to be content with what the Lord gives to us, because when he does, when he blesses us, we know it's from the Lord. And we will. We should be content with that. We should be content with the fact that he died on the cross for our sins. So we wouldn't have to pay the price for our own iniquity. That should be enough for us. But it's never enough, even though it should be. Verse seven, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. So we need to consider the, our ways, the ways that we're going. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye look for much and lo, um, it came to little. 
And when you brought in, um, brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? Said the Lord of hosts. Because of mine house that is waste. And ye run every man to his own house. Therefore the heavens over you is stayed from dew. And the earth is stayed from her fruit. So this is saying here, it's like if we're bringing in stuff into the Lord's house that's corrupting the house, then it's like he's, he's, he's going to get rid of it. He's going to get rid of that because he wants to live in this house, but he cannot be glorified in this house. He cannot live into the, in this house. We're trying to bring other things in that don't belong here. Well, we're trying to bring in imaginable thoughts that don't belong there. We're trying to bring in conversations that don't belong there. We're trying to bring in dirty jokes that don't belong there and things that just corruptible things in this world. We're trying to bring it into this body. The Lord can't be glorified with that. Knowing that, we're trying to run every man into his own house. So not only is our house corrupt, but then we got other people's houses that are also corrupt. So he's staying off the dew. He's staying off the fruit. Why? Because we cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit if we're trying to bear the fruit of the world at the same time. You know, you can't grow both good fruit and bad fruit at the same time. It's not going to happen. Because that tree that brings forth bad fruit, what's going to happen? Cut down, cast into the fire. So we have to have that good fruit. And he's saying here, I'm going to tell you why all these things are happening. Because you're trying to still live for the world. You're still trying to have Exactly. And remember, when we read the definitions earlier of this, there was a whole lot of self in it. You know, self-gratification, self-this, self-that. So it's all about self. So that's what contentment brings in. That's what complacency brings in. A whole bunch of self and not Jesus. All right. So uh, verse uh, 11. Yeah. Verse 11. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon all that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the land. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shephtiah, and Joseph, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai, the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of the rise. So these people did eventually start to follow. They eventually did get right with the Lord and do his will. But they had to see, first of all, what happened. What happened in their complacency? What happened when they tried to bring in false idols? He had to stay, stave off all that, all of the fruit and the rain, the new rain. He had to drought the Holy Spirit, you know, in our life. And he, he that's going to happen to us. Why would the Lord put the Holy Spirit upon someone who's not doing anything? But just sitting at home, listening to a video and not doing anything. Why would he put the Holy Spirit upon that person? He's not going to because it's a waste. So if we want the Holy Spirit to truly walk and work in our lives, 
That means we got to be willing to go out. We have got to be willing to do, even if it starts small, even if it's in our own neighborhood, even if it's praying for our neighborhood first and someone walks by and the Lord says, talk to that person. This is what I want you to tell them. Start there. If it just takes that to start there, let's do that and work our way up there. All right, let's go to Luke 12 and 35. Luke 12 and 35. Let your loins be girded about, and let your lightings burn. And you yourself, like unto men that wait for the Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that he that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants for whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. And verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself, and make, him, make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. Okay, so this right here should be how we are. Watching for the Lord, doing his will, ready for when he comes. This is the kind of servants that he wants right here. This is how we should be, on fire for the Lord, doing his will. And if he does find us doing this, then he's gonna enter, we're going to enter into his kingdom. That's what it's saying right here. Verse 38. And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this note, that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched, and not have suffered his house to be broken through. But ye therefore ready, be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when no man think, when no... Um, at an hour when you think not. So it's like we have always got to be ready for the Lord's coming. We've always got to be ready to know that if we, you know, are to pass away this night, that we're going to stand before the Lord and he's going to judge us according to our walk with him. So we've always got to be ready for that. Verse 41. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? And the Lord said, who then is, is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find, his, find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But, and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink, and to be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, and prepared him prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that kneweth not, 
and did commit things worthy of stripes, he shall be beaten with fewer stripes, or few stripes. For unto whom much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men that commit much of him, they will ask the more. So this one servant right here that delayed, you know, said, my Lord delayeth to come. And he went about and did whatever he wanted to do. He drank and he beat people and he was unfair and he didn't do, you know, what he was supposed to do in his own works before, you know, his Lord came and he just did whatever he wanted to do. What happened to that servant? <laughs> but it's like, it's like, what, what happened to that servant? He got his part with the unbelievers. So that servant was lukewarm. That servant was complacent because he just he wanted to do whatever he wanted to do. You know, he wasn't he wasn't strong within himself. He wasn't strong with the Lord. He didn't have the walk with the Lord, the right walk with the Lord. He wasn't seeking the Holy Spirit to be upon his life. He wasn't seeking to go forward with the Lord. He was satisfied right where he was at. But in that contentment, in that complacency that he had, he didn't just sit there and do nothing. He actually went backwards. He began to beat people. He got drunk. And he was thrown in with the unbelievers. He was cut off. So this is what happens if we are a faithful steward, if we are a faithful servant, the Lord is going to make us ruler over what he has. But if we're not, man, that is a dangerous place to be because that servant is going to be cast into hell. That servant is going to be cast into the lake of fire because of what they're not doing. All right, so from here, let's go to um, All right, let's go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10 and 12. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. In your spare time, Read 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 21, and Hebrews 4, 1 through 16. We're only going to read two more scriptures here, Corinthians and Hebrews, but, you know, read those, read those in your spare time. Okay. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but as such as common to men. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So this verse right here, people... Take it way out of context, saying, oh, you know, we're not tempted above. The Lord always makes the way for us to get out, you know, and, and the Lord's not going to put, you know, more on us than what we can bear. You know, and it's true, he won't. But we don't know how much we can bear. The Lord does. The Lord knows how much we can take it. And I'm going to use this real quick as an example. I'm going to go back to my basic training real quick and talk about this, because when you first get in, they start yelling and screaming at you and, having you do all sorts of stuff, push-ups, sit-ups, and, you know, running here and there and everywhere. You're like, man, I can't take this. This is too much. You know, I can't continue on. That's in your thought process. You know, I can't continue on. I just want to quit. It's too much for me to bear. Drill sergeants already know. No, it's not. (laughs) 
your body is just adjusting. So yeah, you're going to face some aches and pains while your body is adjusting to what it's going through. But eventually over the course of time, you are able to actually take it. You are actually able to bear it. And you realize why they're putting you through all that. And so the same thing is with the Lord, with us, in our walk with him. You know, if we're riding the fence, if we're trying to stay complacent with the Lord and not go further with him because we're scared of that, because we are afraid if I go, you know, if if I go too far, then the Lord's going to put more on me than what I can bear. That's fear. That's fear talking right there. We should want to go as far with the Lord as we possibly can go, no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, no matter what kind of, you know, demons might try and scare us and stuff like that. Rebuke him in Jesus' name and keep going on, keep going forward. You know, demons can't do anything to us unless we allow them to. You know, if we rebuke them in Jesus' name, they'll go, but we have to expect that. But a lukewarm or complacent Christian, won't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. They won't want to get into that kind of walk. They'll want someone else to do it because they're fine exactly where they are, exactly where they are. And that's just, that's not a Christian walk. I'm sorry, people out there listening in tonight, but that's not what it's about. Actually, I'm not sorry. Lord, forgive me, but I'm not sorry because we need to know the truth. You know, we need to know that we need to go as far with the Lord as we possibly can go, no matter what happens. Verse 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, free from idolatry, I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which ye bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which ye break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of one bread. So it's one body, it's one bread, one Jesus Christ, one God the Father, one Holy Spirit. It's one. He's saying here, we may be many believers, but we're under one. So when people are trying to say, you know, you can get to God through many ways and many this. No, the Bible right here is saying one. Jesus Christ said, I'm the only way, the only truth, and the only life. It's just one. And that's what we have to believe. Because if we try and go after all this other nonsense, oh, we're going to be sorely mistaken. Verse 18, Behold Israel after the flesh. Are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers, um, eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What say I then? That the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the thing which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and drink of the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Do, do ye provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are ye stronger than he? Okay, are ye stronger than he? So it's like we have to understand this because it, when we see all this worldly nonsense and garbage going on today about this person might be saved and this person might be saved and people are getting carried away with that, they are riding the fence. They are trying to say, well, this person says that you know they need a savior. This person says that they're going this way. This person says that they're doing this. And if they truly are, and that person's going to leave that garbage, worldly life that they're being sodomized in behind. 
They're going to leave all of that behind. But if people are getting caught up with that in their minds, then they're on the fence. You know, we got to turn the TV off. We got to turn the world off. We got to turn Jesus on in our own personal life because that's truly, truly what it's all about. But we cannot afford to ride the fence. We can't. We have to know that this gospel is going to cut our guts out at times for things that we have in our life that need to come out. That happens. If you put if you put rubbing alcohol on a sore, is it not going to burn for a little bit? You know, you oh, that burns. You're not going to try and sit in front of the fan and cool it off while it's burning. Does that not happen? Yes, but it feels better afterwards. You got to endure the pain first for it to feel better. So if Jesus is poking and prodding at things in our life, hey, it's because he wants us to live right for him. And so he wants to get that garbage out of our life so we can truly catch fire for him. All right, so last verse of the night is let's go to uh, Hebrews 2 and verse 1. And this is going to be quick, actually. Just a few scriptures here and then we'll be done. But, you know, my prayer tonight is, is that everyone listening in and everyone here, my prayer tonight is, is that we're going to have the Lord search us out and things in our life that are not pleasing to him and areas of our life where we are being lukewarm and we're not on fire for him. You know, we're going to say, Lord, search me out because he knows us anyways. You know, we can't lie to the Lord. We, I mean, we could try, but it's not going to get very far. We cannot lie to him. He knows us better than we know our own self. You know, and so it's like we have got to get further. Lord, it's just pray. Lord, I know that you know me better than I know myself. So search me out and clean me out, Lord God. Take me further with you. All right. Uh, Hebrews 2 and verse 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? So we have to understand this right here. It's like if we don't continue to go on with the Lord, if we don't get as much Jesus as we possibly can get, if we don't get set apart, if we don't turn off the world, if we don't, you know, sometimes just be like, you know, I need to turn off every single electronic device that I have for several days so I can get it. I mean, I've had to do that. And I tell you what, I did one weekend where I turned my cell phone off the whole weekend, except for at night when I use it for the alarm. But outside of that, I wasn't texting or anything like that. When I turned it off, don't you know, I felt so much cleaner. I felt so much stronger with the Lord when I can do that. And I know that not everyone can do that. They got certain positions where they have to keep their cell phone on. But if it's not that, turn something else off. Tell people, hey, you know what? I want to keep my phone on, but I can't be texting or I can't be on the phone for this many days. I just, I can't. I need to draw closer to the Lord. I need to do his will. And if it takes that, if it takes us, you know, Lord, do whatever it takes. Because that's right. That is a scary prayer. Lord, do whatever it takes. It means, hey, I'm trusting in you, Lord, not myself to get this job done. But if we pray that, you know, the Lord is going to do whatever it takes for us to get on fire for him at whatever it costs. And it's not that the Lord wants to hurt us, but the Lord knows, hey, if I don't do this now and if you don't get on fire for me now, you'll be on fire. But in the lake of fire, 
And I don't want you to have that kind of fire. You know, we need to have the Holy Ghost fire in our life. We need to burn bright for him in this lost, dying, going to hell world that has been plagued by religion. So that's tonight's teaching. Uh, I pray and hope that the Holy Spirit taught it. And I pray and hope that it, you know, touched people's lives. So, um, you know, we're going to go out in prayer now. Um, but as it said, you know, it, if you know you're not saved and no one knows this but you, give your life to Jesus tonight. Call upon the name of the Lord. If you're battling with pornography, if you're battling with homosexuality, if you're struggling in your marriage, if you're th contemplating divorce, uh, if you're contemplating suicide, you know, if you're an alcoholic, know this, that the Lord Jesus Christ can deliver you out of it all. You just have to call upon him and he will deliver you. So, all right. So from here, we are going to close out in prayer. So any volunteers for prayer? All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for this spirit-led teaching, Lord, that we know came from you. We know it, Lord, because of the conviction in our hearts. You said that the spirit of truth would come and he would bring us into all righteousness. And you said, Lord, that he would judge the world, that he would convict the world of sin. And Lord, we know if we be without chastisement that we are bastards and not sons. So we just pray, Lord, that the word that we heard tonight sinks in deep. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, that it'll be something that we can walk with, that we can grow from, that we may have those peaceable fruit, Lord, that you have spoken of, that we may truly recognize that Jesus Christ in us is the hope of glory. And I just thank you, Lord, for our brothers and sisters near and far, Lord, for those who are dedicated to walking with you, for those who want to go through the born-again process, Lord, and being made whole. I pray, Lord, that you place a special anointing over everyone. Yes. For our sister Tara, Lord, who has a sister with cancer, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you give them the strength. I pray, Lord, that you dissolve all tumors, that you lift up, Lord, the wicked spirits, Lord, of sickness that may be governing over her. And I thank you, Lord, for my brother Gary and my sister Heather, Lord, with all that they are enduring, that Sister Heather is healing, Lord, because we've never stopped praying, that we believe on you. And she's now battling a situation with breast cancer, Lord. So we know, Lord, that you're going to take her through. And Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you heal Sister Sarah, Andrew's mom, Lord, with all that she's going through. For that woman has brain cancer, Lord, but she still calls you a healer. But she still leans on you, Lord. And she says, that she believes on you when she is going home, Lord. And we just thank you for her soul. We thank you for her strength, Lord, and all that you carried her from, Lord. And we know that nothing can be done upon us, Lord, unless you say it. And Lord, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters present, Lord, that you have kept them in good health, that you have watched over them, Lord, kept them in perfect peace. And Lord, regardless of who may depart, regardless of who may remain, we know that all things are in your hands. Yes, so we just thank you, Lord, for your spirit. We thank you for your abundance. We thank you for your great wisdom, Lord. And I ask for more time that we may bring souls into the kingdom. For you are the king of kings. There is no doubt. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. We pray, Lord, and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and honor. Lord, and I also pray, Lord, for Dunamis Tabernacle, Lord, that you raise it up, 
that you release the funds, Lord, that this base camp can be set up, Lord. For we're entering into World War III. Yes, and Lord, we yes. just know that you're gonna deliver us, Lord, and keep us. But Lord, wake your people up for yes, such a time God. as this. Let them understand that your will is the only will that matters. And I pray daily that we die out to self and become alive to Christ, yes. that we may get a one, we may get one last push in these final days. Yes, Do it, Lord, because you can and because you will. For your glory and honor, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, you guys have a good night, and until next time, have a good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.